Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. So, you know, we don't shy away from the big things here on the Lisa Wexler Show. What could be bigger than talking about the end, the thing that we're all going to face at one point or another, although we don't really know how and we don't get much choice over it. Uh, Linda Bluestein is in the studio with us. She has been profiled in many places, and she is here to talk about, with her attorney, Amitai Heller, about her advocacy on behalf of people who are facing a terminal illness and the right in Connecticut to be able to take that decision to some extent into their own hands and prepare for dying uh, in a way and at a time and a place that they choose. Linda Bluestein is with us in the studio. So is her husband, Paul. Hello, everybody. Hi. Hi. And Amitai Heller. Amitai Heller, are you there as well? I'm here. Can okay. you hear me? I definitely can. Okay, so... Good morning, Lisa. Good morning, good morning. Let me just begin with where the law is and why, Linda, we asked you to come in the studio. Um, it looks like, at least according to this article, maybe it's wrong, but it looks like you are challenging a particular statute in Vermont which has been written to allow people who are residents of Vermont the right to end their own lives under certain circumstances if they have a terminal illness. We do not have that right currently in Connecticut. And from what I read, Linda, it looks like you and your counsel are challenging on a constitutional basis the right of Vermont to exclude non-residents from taking themselves, from making themselves, um, availing themselves of this law. Is that correct? That is, but I rather Abitai, um speak to the constitutional issues. I'm here because I am advocating for how I'm going to be living. Okay. Medical aid in dying assumes that I have a choice between living and dying, but that's not the choice at all. <clears throat> By the time my illness progresses to where I'm in hospice care, my end has been predetermined, right? And it's how long do I need to continue suffering? It's, it's a lot about fear. It's a lot about having held my mother in my arms as she died a death that she did not want. So, Linda, what's your diagnosis? I have uh, in-stage fallopian tube cancer, which is a rare form of ovarian cancer. One in 100 women will have ovarian cancer. And usually, by the time it's found, it's already metastasized, as mine did. And, uh, so. I should just have my tubes removed. <laughs> yeah. It's like nothing. It's, it's an outpatient nothing. A good friend of mine whose mom died of ovarian cancer when she was only 19, she's begged me. She begs all women she knows. She says if you remove your fallopian tubes, you radically reduce your risk of getting ovarian cancer to begin with. Um, I'm, I'm not, sorry, I'm Linda. I'm speak to the medical issues. I, I'm you know, sorry. I, I'm at a place now where... I've, ex- I've gone through the, all the rage and the, all the other things. I'm at a place of acceptance, and I know that I've been given um, a remission, which I found out yesterday I'm definitely not in remission. Just yesterday you found mm-hmm. out? Just yesterday. You look so beautiful in the studio. I have to get a picture of you. I, I make an effort, Lisa. You look beautiful. <clears throat> you have your hair. Your hair is magnificent. It's shiny and healthy and gorgeous. Mm-hmm. 
Your color looks good. It just came back, the hair. Uh, yeah, I saw pictures yes, that you had lost. So it. that um, I I looked good when I was in the ICU, and I was FaceTiming with my husband, you know, uh, who couldn't come to visit me. You know, having the terrible surgery and this having this disease appear last year during COVID was awful. Being, I was in isolation. So when did you get your diagnosis? Just last year? March 15th. How old are you? I'm 75. Yeah, I look a lot younger. I was 74, um, and it was quite a shock to me. I sure. Thought, thought it I is had, young to be in your 70s and get that diagnosis. thought I had diverticulosis because I was bloating, and I had just these undistinguished symptoms, and that's why they call ovarian cancer the, the hidden killer because you don't know you've got it until it's really too late. You had bloating, huh? Mm-hmm. All the stuff women go through, cramping, bloating, you know, just feeling kind of off, but, you know, nothing big. And so it was my gastroenterologist who diagnosed the, this with a CAT scan. And within a week, I was in Smilo Cancer Hospital in New Haven. And during the time of COVID, he dropped me off at the front door, maybe for the last time. So you have had this remission, and you just found out yesterday you're not in remission well, anymore? it confirmed. It, the, the cancer antigen in my blood test has been doubling, and then it doubled again. And yesterday, when I got the results of my blood test I had just yesterday, it was up significantly again. So um, I know that my next visit with my oncologist will be, what's next, Linda? Are you working with Dr. Elena Ratner by any chance? No, I'm with um, Dr. Neil Fishback uh, at uh, Yale. She's at Yale, too. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay, just wondering, because she's a friend of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, So... We're chatting with Linda Bluestein. So I'm sorry to hear this news. We're all dying, Melissa. Lisa. <laughs> Lisa, I, I'm sorry. This is true. We're all living and we're all dying and, and, at the same time. I, I just, right. I, I have a better idea of where I'm going to be and when and, and all the things, all the important conversations I want to have. And So what's wrong with the law in Connecticut that you would like to change? Like what, what are we not doing that would make you have more peace? Well, peace is knowing that when my suffering is so great that I can have what every person at the end of life that I know goes through is, can I please just, um, as a friend's mother said, can I, can I just wake up dead? I don't want to wake up tomorrow morning, and that will be an option for me. Mm-hmm. Whether or not I use it, that gives me a tremendous sense of not only agency but peace. It is how I want to live. Okay, I want to live to the point where when I've had my goodbyes and I have my family with me and and my family is very supportive of my decisions by the way um, that I can say you know tonight I just like to go to sleep and say goodbye to you all and and you'll do that with pills I mean is that your preferred thing that you want to hoard some pills that will put you I don't want to be my own doctor okay Lisa, for heaven's sakes. That's I don't know. I, I, I don't know how far along you've, you've thought my, about this. That, I've been thinking about this for a long time. I, I will move to Vermont uh, when, I, when my disease progresses to the point where I'm in hospice, where I have six months or less to live. We, if Connecticut has not changed its laws, Paul and I will relocate. You will move. Uh, let's go to, we've got one call so far. Bill from Fairfield, you're on the air with Linda Bluestein. Hello, welcome. Good morning. Good morning. Can you hear God, Bill? I'm so, by, I'm so touched by this. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. Yes. Is, is it Linda? It is. Linda, um, this is so personal for me. For one, Dr. Fishbach, I've watched him personally uh, 
perform miracles. So I, I was very happy to hear you say that you were in his hands and his his practice. Um, but boy, oh boy, you'll get through this, I'm sure, because of your determination and the and this this law or whatever is coming in place to die with dignity is just it's just so necessary. I watched my father pass away during COVID, and it was heart wrenching, just heart wrenching for him and us as a family. And uh, I feel your your plight. I feel your plight. Thank you, Bill. Thank, Thank you me. for the call. Let me let me bring into the conversation your lawyer, please, Amitai Heller. Hello, Amitai. Welcome to the show today. Hello. Hi, Lisa. How are you? Good, uh, Mr. Heller. Can you tell us a little bit? Um, what what are you you know what are you thinking about as a lawyer? Are you admitted in Connecticut, Vermont? Do you have a particular interest in in helping with this kind of issue, this kind of case, or is this something that is your first time out trying to help Linda? Um, thanks for the question. So I am licensed in Louisiana and I'm licensed in Oregon, but I work for a national nonprofit called Compassion and Choices, and we work on issues related to expanding end-of-life care and end-of-life options um, through the legislature, through litigation, through advocacy work. So we we uh, help a lot of individuals trying to seek these end-of-life options. Um, we're working with local attorneys in Vermont and another firm that's national called Wilmer Hale on this issue. Why do you feel personally, why are you devoting your sense of time to this? For, for me personally, it's it's a, it's an issue of giving people what they want at the end of life. Um, you know, I think that it's, it's extremely important for me, for my family, for people in my community, and for the clients I work with, that um, that they have the closure that they seek, that the death that they want the death that they end up having is kind of in accordance with the way that they lived with their values. Um, and I think that's extremely true of my interactions with Linda um, and her family, which is that she is a person who knows what she wants. She's lived her life in a specific way. Um, and there's just, in my mind, no rational reason to deprive her from having this death that offers her closure and peace. So what are some of the breaks? What are some of the checks and balances that you would that you would think are reasonable and that you would advocate for in terms of recognizing that human nature is not always that is not always that optimistically good natured? Absolutely. So there's a pretty uh, pretty standard at this point way that the laws work around medical aid and dying in America and the jurisdictions where it's been authorized um and those are standards that we advocate for which is that a person has to be mentally capable to make a decision they have to have a prognosis of six months or less to live um and they have to be over 18 and then there's other types of checks checks that come in in various states depending on um, like waiting periods and things like that, depending on uh, what the state legislatures want. Do you and, advocate, you know. I'm curious, do you advocate for doctors being able to decide whether or not they're going to assist patients, that doctors themselves have agency over this decision? Absolutely, yeah. We we don't believe that doctors should 
or any medical professional should have to participate if if it's not something that they're comfortable doing. Yeah. Uh, you're listening to the Lisa Wexler Show. We're going to be right back. We're going to continue the conversation with Linda Bluestein, who's in the studio. So is her husband, Paul, and so is her attorney. And we welcome your input as well at 203-333-9422. We're talking about compassionate aid in dying on the Lisa Wexler Show. We'll be right back. From Norwalk to New Canaan, from Monroe to Milford, Fairfield County listens to The Lisa Wexler Show on WICC 600 AM and 107.3 FM. And welcome back to the show. We are on the air with Linda Bluestein, who's in the studio with us. Uh, her attorney, Amitai Heller, who is with an organization called CompassionandChoices.org. We're talking about the right to die in the wake of Linda's uh, untimely a diagnosis of a pretty uh, a pretty aggressive cancer. Yes. Have you been in pain throughout this, uh, since the diagnosis, Linda? Uh, I was in pain before I was treated with surgery, and uh, then I had um, 19 weeks of chemotherapy, which was no fun. Uh, then I went through a period of just recovering from the, the ravages of surgery and um, the chemotherapy. And uh, went into a remission and have been getting my strength back and getting back involved in the neighborhood. When I first got the diagnosis, I thought, well, it's all over. And so I quit this board and I quit that board and I quit getting involved. And then I started feeling better and better and said, well, you know, I'm not dead yet. (laughs) I'm going to take advantage and live as fully as I can, knowing that I need um, a big symptom now is fatigue. I don't have a lot of energy. So, compared to what you used to have, huh? To what I used to because have. I recognized your name, but I've had thousands and thousands of guests on the show. And I couldn't remember why, but my producer looked you up because we do have our catalog. And, and Linda, I guess you have been a pretty strong voice in your BlackRock community. Yes, I've been <clears throat> the communicator for uh, Scaleback BlackRock. We were looking at th- this, the amount of development that had been going on since COVID when these big high-rise apartment buildings went up where the movie theaters were, and then they were going to put up another uh, six-story building adjacent to Dunkin' Donuts at the most deadly intersection in our entire community on Ellsworth Street, where you've got the Burroughs Center and you've got a Dunkin' Donuts and, and, you know... Just not a good idea, huh? Not a good idea. And then at the entrance to the area of Black Rock where we live... Uh, another three two-family lots had been combined, and they're going to put up a. They wanted a, a very large building. They've scaled it back slightly, but uh, high density, not enough parking. On-street parking is a big problem in the area. Have right you won now. any of these battles? Uh, only in the sense if we felt like we did the right thing and we got a neighborhood together. Oh, what a you shame! Know, planning, planning and zone, zoning was uh, a lost cause for us. Because BlackRock is Bridgeport. BlackRock is And planning and zoning Mm -hmm. in Bridgeport is not elected. It's appointed. Mm -hmm. And the people there are serving out expired terms for many years. Yeah. And they um, certainly have relationships with the um, leadership in the the town. And so... Uh, we we felt like we ha- we were on the right side of the issues for all of the reasons, parking and and 
density, of course, were big, but it was the public safety. We had these deadly intersections with more than 40 fatalities at that one intersection. Wow. Oh, yeah. This is this is in the last five years. So we, we were very concerned. And we see with all these restaurants, Black Rock's a hopping place. People like to come there for dinner and drinks, and we love it, too. But getting an emergency vehicle down some streets is impossible when the restaurants are full. And you add another, you know, 50 units, you know, on three lots. And you know what it is? <laughs> what it is is that there, some neighborhoods develop over time, and they have a thing. They have a reason why they're a little bit more expensive than other neighborhoods, and they're a little bit more desirable than other neighborhoods. And then people come in, and they take advantage of it, and they ruin it. <laughs> I mean, really, you know, that's what it is. They ruin the vibe. You know, if you over-densify something, if you take out sunlight by making very tall buildings, if you don't put enough trees, mm-hmm. if you have so much asphalt, you ruin the vibe that attracted everybody to get, go there to begin with. We all know what works. What, what works are pedestrian-friendly areas where people that, as they're walking, feel like they're not surrounded by canyons. They're not surrounded by these big, tall... But we all know what works. You can ask urban planners. They can tell you what works. It's just that we don't do it. Anyway, Linda, just coming back to why we're here today. So I wanted to also just let our audience know a little bit. So you've been very active in BlackRock. And before that, your life has been full of activism. Isn't that right? From the beginning, from when I was a little girl selling Girl Scout cookies. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Orange County, California. Oh, wow. You left the beautiful weather, and you came here. I love Connecticut. I do, too. I was a tr- but Orange County yeah. is a beacon for weather. Oh, Laguna Beach. Oh, is that where you grew up? Okay. So, but, but I was what's called... Paul, a, what did you do? I, yeah. I was the trailing spouse in a corporate relocation. Ah, okay. Good wife, huh? Do you have kids? We have two. We have a daughter, Amy, and a son, Jake, and twin granddaughters who were just here last week. Um, They are 16 now and getting behind the wheel. So they live in Colorado. Okay. So has your family been supportive of your advocacy on this right to dying? Absolutely. Right to live the way I want to live. Right to live. Okay. This, This is really important that it's like I don't have a choice now between living and dying, living a long life. You know, 99 years isn't in my future, and I'm, I'm comfortable with that. Are you? Yes, I really am. I really am. How do you get comfortable with that, Linda? Well, it, this is my third cancer diagnosis in a few years. My mother had three. We, we have a, you know, I, I have some DNA that's just, as my friend Kathy said, it's really crappy DNA. So... I can't change that, so why not just live fully? And that's, yes. that's why I get I, I got reactivated in the community. But I've always had you know meetings lined up. I've I when I moved here, I said, well, I've got to get involved in something. How about I'll just you know go to this PTA meeting and take over some issue that I care about. <laughs> that's <laughs> Which, wonderful. So um, that's who I did. Am. You raise your kids in Blackrock? Have you been in Blackrock a long time? No, no. We moved from Fairfield to Blackrock. Um, after the 
we say, um, I say, we got rid of the kids. We didn't kill them or anything, but they, they, they moved out of the house, and we found a lovely place to live in St. Mary's by the Sea. Which oh, is yes, just... it's quite pretty. So, Paul, I'm going to put you on mic. You've got your headphones there. Hi, Paul. Hello. Hi, Paul Bluestein. I will say that, Paul, you and I met not too long ago because you won an award from the Connecticut Press Association for a book of poetry. Congratulations. Thank you. But Andrew introduced you as Dr., Yes. So you're a physician as well? Yes. Are you retired? I am. So this has been, I'm going to guess, a terribly tough year for you? Yes. Um, I think that um, there have been good things. Yes. Um, Linda and I have, have been close throughout the year. When I was in practice, I took an oath to help my patients. And when I got married, I took a vow to stand by my wife. And this has given me a chance to fulfill the promise of that vow. As a physician, Paul, would you sign up to assist people under circumstances of terminal illness to help them hoard the appropriate amount of pills or whatever it was that would be their exit strategy? Would you assist them? I've been an advocate for um, compassion in dying for several years, long before Linda was diagnosed with cancer. Um, I believe that that decisions related to how a patient lives their final days should be between themselves, their family, and their doctors. Um, people, when I practiced, one of the things I came to understand, which is not hard to understand, is people don't want to die in an institution. That's true. They don't want to die in an ICU with tubes and wires and respirators. They want to die in their bed. Mm -hmm. They want to die at home. They want to die with their family standing by them. Um, That's often not easy to accomplish. Most people don't die at home. Most people do die. No, they don't. No, most people die in an institution. They die in hospitals. Yes. Um, Linda doesn't want that. and you yes. know that that must be a relatively new thing in human history. Oh, it is. You know that um, Jimmy Carter was the first president to not be born at home? Did you know that? Mm-hmm. I did. And so for most of human history, people were born and died in their homes, not in hospitals. I certainly saw that as a little girl in Texas. Did you? Death was close, and, and it was real. We, we, I lived on a, you know, in a ranching communities, and we, we were cattle ranchers. Before our Orange County? Before Laguna Before Beach? Or, or, <laughs> Laguna Beach came when I was six years old. Okay. But, you know, the early years, yeah. you know, I remember, you know, people were laid out in the living room. Yes, like Scarlett O'Hara, like the father in Gone with the Wind. Yeah. I wasn't Scarlet, but you know. No, but I remember that scene very vividly <laughs> because it was so different than when I than what I thought about death. It seemed macabre, you know. But I hear what you're saying, Doctor. Yeah. <clears throat> the, um, the idea of what people like to call physician-assisted suicide is really a misnomer. Um, this is this is not doctors who are helping patients take their lives. Their disease is taking their lives. Um, It's the disease that's killing them. Um, It's not the medications. It's not the doctor. Um, And I think that if that's not a choice people would make for themselves, 
that's fine. They don't have to. They don't have to. But, so but sort they, of like the whole right to choose. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so I, I am supportive of Linda. I will stand by her, whatever decision she makes, um, because I think this has been her life. We've been married for more than 40 years. Mm-hmm. It's been the best time of my life. It was a miracle mm-hmm. for me. My life has been a miracle. Um, and so that, that I intend to help Linda. Paul and Linda, thanks for being with us. We're wrapping it up mm-hmm. because the clock is going to cut me off any second. Um, I wish you everything good. Thank you. Everything good. Everything healthy and everything good. And we'll be following your journey. Thank you very much. Paul and Linda Bluestein on the Lisa Wexer Show. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at Lisa at LisaWexler.com.